Adornment straight in front of Trap for Fools. Pike sitting as quiet as a church mouse on Truly Great though. Ambled up, Nerf Bosk is on his tail. He's letting down the grey. Pike will have to go to work. He's nursing. He's kidding Truly Great. Nerf Bosk on the outside comes again. Pike gets serious. Truly Great, 60 kilos at all. Nerf Bosk comes at him. They hit it. Oh, what a finish. What a finish in the cup. Nerf Bosk might have got the Truly Great. It's an absolute thriller. Welcome Not to sure. the Western Mail Racing Podcast. On the show we discuss all things Perth racing and preview the Saturday Metro meeting. We'll also be interviewing industry participants, but first, it's over to Mike Johnson to get us underway. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Western Mail. We're up to episode 48 and what a day we've got this Saturday down at Ascot. Three Group 3 races as well as a listed event on the cards in what is shaping up to be an incredibly high-quality day of racing and what a prelude to the Railway Stakes next Saturday. So hopefully got a few winners in the plays. But before we get into any further uh, preview, we'll have a quick recap of last week's pod selections on Lestia Stakes Day. It was a pretty tough day, all told. Uh, Started off in race one with Snowdome, who was a, a bold second when looking like the winner, uh, was leading, was out in front, uh, but just got nabbed in the, in the last 100 metres or so. Uh, before Ponyo was a similar story in race two, ran second, looked home for all money at about the 200, but uh, was beaten by the plunge horse. The lady is a vamp there. So that was a frustrating start. We moved on to race five and bat it to star who ran third after getting well back in the run. It was a pretty impressive effort and was about $2.40 to place. Wasn't each way play. Uh, before Laurentinio and Devoted ran pretty bravely, but uh, finished outside of the, the top three on both occasions. And the day was rounded out by another each way playing Valor Road running second about $2.40. So tough day, um, but... Hopefully, we can uh, go better this Saturday. And uh, before we get into that any further, because I am recording on Remembrance Day, thought it would be quite fitting just to touch on that briefly before we get into uh, the show proper. So as you are all aware, I'm sure, at 11 a.m. on the 11th of November 1918, uh, the guns on the Western Front fell silent after more than four years of continuous warfare, uh, more than 100 years on now. And we remember all those who gave their lives to their country, uh, all who suffered and died through acts of war, and those who were left behind to mourn their loss as well. Uh, we also remember the millions of animals uh, that have worked alongside our servicemen and women in times of war. Their contributions to war efforts are largely forgotten. So I want to pay tribute to all the animals that have suffered and died in war as well, uh, from the camels who transported equipment and people, uh, dogs who worked as guards, companions and messengers, uh, the donkeys and mules who transported supplies and injured soldiers, and of course, the horses who carried military equipment, ambulance wagons and the injured from battle. And around 160,000 Australian horses served in World War I alone. And uh, some of the horses over in Egypt actually are descendants of Australia's very own war horses. So... We honour their continued service uh, in what is a really harsh and hostile uh, environment uh, in terms of uh, war. So a big thanks to all the men, women and animals for, for serving uh, with pride and, and honour, so lest we forget. 
We'll move on now to the track setup for this Saturday's meeting. We're on to a good four and the rail is back to the true position for Saturday. Uh, the last two meetings uh, since last Saturday at eight metres and 15 metres respectively. There will be plenty of fresh ground for the horses to utilise here. And gonna kick things off at the top race number one. It is the Arlec Australia Handicap, one Metro win over the 1200. And for anyone who didn't see it, the last start win of no white flag could not have been any more impressive. He won untouched in a no Metro win over this track and trip a fortnight ago. This Machino gelding, he pinged the inside gate there before kicking well clear in the run home. Shooter McGruddy eased him up in the final 100 metres or so. Margin of two and a quarter still, uh, but should have probably been more like four or in excess of four. But a win is a win and it was still mighty impressive. And I think he gets a really good chance to go back to back here, even though he's up in class, uh, but draws low once again. So I think Chris Parnham jumping on here can fire out of the machine to burn off no surrender and quite likely ultimate command as well. And with an easterly wind in play, I think it'd be very hard to run down after hopefully giving a good kick in the straight. Uh, he's around $2.10 at the moment, so you probably wouldn't want to be taking anything less than that. But hopefully we might even see a little bit better than that on the day. So hopefully no white flag can get us off to a flyer in race one. From there, over to race number three, the Amelia Park Handicap to 72 plus 1200 metre affair. This looks like a great opportunity for Triple Missile to turn the tables on Will Chino. This son of Smart Missile, he chased her home from last in their previous encounter in this class over 1,000 metres, and the sectionals were incredible. Clocked the 33.05 last 600 to go down less than half a length from what looked a near impossible position on the turn. Um, even though he'll get back again, I'm prepared to take the risk on him here just because with Zeeble uh, engaged once more, fully expect uh, either he'll come across or he'll, he's drawn underneath Will Chino anyway, so he'll take it up. Uh, what does Will Chino do? Does she come across, take him on? I think she probably sits outside with the 60 kilos. So the speed will be on still. So don't be, um, don't be misguided by that. They'll be going health leather up top, I feel. And I think that brings triple missile right into calculations here. I think the 1200 is much more suitable for him. And in the small field, he shouldn't be anywhere as far back as he was last time out. So I think he'll be swooping late with even luck. And he's currently 235. Uh, once again, in the in the same vein as No White Flag, would like to see around well, a little bit better anyway. If we get 250 for triple missile, I think that's a nice play. So from there, we'll move to first of the Group 3s. It's the uh, Race 5. It's the Group 3 RJ Peter Stakes over the 1500. And it is a small but high-quality field for this year's edition. Uh is kind of a last chance saloon for a few of these runners here who want to stake their claim for a berth in next week's railway. Uh, nice to see some genuine speed engaged here uh, with Cockney Crew engaged. Uh, should mean that it's much more genuinely run than the Asian Bow a few weeks back. Uh, from there, though, I thought it was really a guess as to who else might lob forward, but I thought maybe with Kiss on all four cheeks drawing that inside alley, uh, she could even land in behind to take that trail behind Cockney Crew and expecting pretty much every other runner here to be basically trying to get back in the field, you know, those last couple of pairs. Uh, but while I do respect uh, the top two in the market here in Kiss on All Four Cheeks and Captain Chaos, I thought I'd look a little bit outside the box here to an old boy who is really consistency personified, and that's Luke Gold, who's the nine-year-old son of Faf, 
and doesn't really run a bad race uh, with a trio of placings uh, this prep so far. Uh, Chase Hunt, Kiss on All Four Cheeks, first up without a trial in the 78 plus 1400 uh, before hitting the line really, really nicely uh, in the Northern Cup after being right out the back in the run. Uh, then we saw in the Asian bow, again, he was very gallant, thought he ran on nicely in a race that had absolutely no speed to the turn. So I think for me, he does look like he's bursting to win one. Can he do it today? He gets a one and a half kilos off Captain Chaos for the Northern Cup defeat. Uh, should benefit as well with more speed in the race, but I think he's quite a, yeah, he's been around long enough, so I think he can adapt to whatever whatever's in front of him. So Sean O'Donnell's also in top form who takes the ride here, delivering a return on investment of 32% on all rides this year at an average price of $10.63. So amazing stats from Donga. Keen to be on a bit of an each-way spec here on Luke's gold, and hopefully he can uh, pull off a bit of an upset. So Luke's gold in the Peters. And we're going to head to a bit of a break now. And on the other side, I'll be back with this week's special guest. Don't go away. Welcome back, punters. We've got a special guest this week. Uh, she's on a bit of a high after taking out the York Cup on Sunday with the enigmatic nine-year-old Juicing Carrots. Welcome back to the podcast, Raquel Reed. Hello, how are you? Yeah, very good. Um, I'm, sh- I'm not sure I'm as good as you. Though. You must be still on a bit of a cloud nine after that, that really impressive win from Juice on Sunday. Yes, I can admit that I'm still drinking out of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So is it still sinking in or is it, um, you know, you, you've obviously come to terms with it now, but um, how's the last few days going? It's still sinking a little bit. Um, people are still, you know, sending through congratulations and, um, but it's sort of, I'm, I'm a relieved because it was the race that I was aiming him for and, you know, it worked out in my favour this time around. Ah, fantastic. And just watching the race back, I mean, I noticed he obviously had a wide barrier. Was it always the plan to roll forward from there or did you, did you just sort of leave it up to, to Craig and, and Juice himself, really? Um, which I try and leave it up. To, I just leave it up to Craig. But at the end of the day, Craig does what Juice wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Well, it was a... Um, it just seemed to me like he, like they didn't try and charge forward. He just allowed him to to kind of go go forward in a way that I thought settled him down, which uh, I think was obviously helped. But seemed like he still obviously saved quite a bit for the end of the race as well. Which um, yeah, for, to me just said said to me that how settled the horse was on the day. Would that be a fair comment? No, that that would be a fair comment, and it was actually. Craig actually rode him perfectly on on Sunday, just letting him bowl along. But, you know, when he did first jump, I thought, oh, we're going to go to the front. And everyone sort of let Juice go to the front. But we let him let him bowl along and just let him let him just go at his own pace. And he'll go that pace all day, every yeah. day, and just let him bowl. The more you fight with him, the worse it's going to be. Yeah. No, fair enough. And I guess over those distances out at York, that 1920, it's you almost have to be in the first half of the field. I mean, the amount of races I've 
I've seen over that distance up there that it's very hard to make ground for some reason. I don't know why, uh, but yeah, he was obviously in the right place and um, yeah, managed to managed to hold off uh, William Pike in the in the closing stages. I know that was that was the only one horse that I thought we had to beat was <laughs> Roman Flirt, and I actually really did think at one point there we'd just been pipped at the post, and I'm like looking around going, "Do we win? Do we win? Do we win?" And everyone's like, um, "They're showing your horse on the screen." So I've just gone outside and just yelled out, "Did I win?" And everyone said yes, and that's when I celebrated. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, probably about a half short half head in the end, but um, yeah, it was a was a good win. I know um, Socially Unique won the Hannons um, probably about, what, five, six years ago? So this would have to be up there with Socially Unique's win, would it not? No, no one tops Socially Unique's win. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, he, he's, the, he's the king. Um, Juice sort of slots just a little bit behind, but no, um, the king, he will hold the bar for quite some time, I think. Uh, fair enough. I guess uh, that was also a, a listed race as well, the Hannons. Um, but um, look, still a still a fantastic uh, achievement nonetheless. And um, yeah, a couple to be very proud of. So uh, after that, I mean, obviously we saw Juice running the Perth Cup last year. Um, is that on yep. your radar? And if so, what would Juice have to do in order to get a run there? It is on my radar. Um, I, I would like to have another crack at the, the cup with him. Um, he's obviously going to have to improve a lot more to be able to gain a run. He's still, I think he's formed still a little bit behind some of the other runners that are pushing forward for the cup. Um, I'd, I'd need to get him to go over a, a bit more ground and yep. just assess it from there. But it is on my radar um, to have a go. No, very good. And I guess would a race like, you know, the ATA stakes be a feasible option for him? I mean, I know he had a few lead-ups uh, last year heading to the Perth Cup. I think he, he actually, yeah, he ran third in that ATA, didn't he, behind uh, Nerf Boss? So he did. would that be something that you'd be looking at again? Um, I've I've thought about the, the ATA, but with Juice and... At the moment, I don't know if I really want to back him up. I don't know if I want to go on the ATA and then, you know, the Perth Cup's just so close. Yeah, a week away, isn't it? That's the only thing that's sort of playing on my mind a little bit about backing up. I don't, I mean, I know I backed him up um, this uh, week. Yeah, I'm actually looking at probably maybe his next start will be that Japan Trophy. Okay. Right. Yep. And just see how he handles weight that kill him. So, yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's nine years old. He's he's happy. I'll just push him to where he's he's willing to go. If he's ready to go in those races, we'll, we'll have a crack. If I don't happen to go into the Perth Cup this year, there's always, you know, Albany Cup, Mount Barker Cup. Yeah, absolutely. No, fair call. So uh, moving on from juicing carrots, I actually saw Craig on Saturday um, up in the members. He was doing some talking in the director's lounge. Uh, so I had a quick chat to him and his wife, Lisa. Uh, we, he always popped up, actually. So 
I was going to ask, how is he going? Away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How is he traveling? And have you got any anything in mind for him in terms of a? Uh, can a you race not or hear two? the horses? Can you not hear the galloping around outside at the moment? <laughs> That's him doing bog laps around the paddock. <laughs> He's saying, "I'm ready to go. Find me a race." <laughs> he 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 is ready to go. He's had um, some time off just due to after that last run that he had. I wasn't happy. Obviously, I wasn't happy with his performance and really couldn't find what was wrong with him. And I said to Craig, you know, he just looks absolutely horrendous. He, he looked embarrassing. I was actually embarrassed taking him to the races. His coat looked horrible. It was dull. He just looked thin. He just, I don't, he just wasn't right. Um, so I, I did take him to the vet and, you know, we got him scoped and had a look at and we found that he had stage three ulcers. Oh, okay. So even though he was on, you know, he's on ulcer treatments, he still managed to get stage three ulcers. And we've worked out that he stresses himself out internally with just all the ins and goings of the property that I'm at at the moment and has his allergies to the trees, to the pollen and the cracker dust that's here. And it's just been an underlying problem that we haven't really thought of because he was on ulcer treatment i never thought that he'd have ulcers yeah absolutely. so but he he goes back to the vet tomorrow so hopefully we get the all clear and back on track with him excellent well if it's any consolation i mean that last start that he was going around in was 10th of 15 but he was only one and three quarters off a certain comfort me who's come out and won two in a row so a nice form reference there if he if he gets his all clear tomorrow then uh, yeah, can't wait to see him back. And another one, you've got uh, Music Machine, who was a very good maiden winner, two starts back down at Collie, I thought. Uh, then had a fighting fourth on Sunday at Northern as well. Um, I understand there's been quite a transformation with that horse since you've taken him on. Can you can you tell the listeners a bit more about that? Um, when I, I mean, obviously when I, I got him, I, I mean, I got him off um, another trainer and, you know, he had a lot of problems when I first got him. And we try, we've tried everything with him, uh, done a lot of body work and just taken him to the beach. He didn't really know how to canter when I first got him. So we spent a lot of time with him. And now, you know, I work him with juicing carrots and his work ethic is, I think, a lot better than juicing carrots. Um, I actually hold Music Machine. I think he's got a little bit more ability. Um, just got to find the right races and that for him now. Yeah. Um, I think I actually think he's better than E always too, really. Um, I, I'm still trying to come to terms with everyone going on about E always. I actually don't think the horse is as good as what everyone thinks he is. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I mean, I suppose you, you know, the horse better than anyone. So, uh, but he obviously had a couple of really good wins. I think, you know, back at Belmont uh, last year and, kind of got tongues wagging really so I think that's where you know a lot of it came from but um yeah good to hear of Music Machine um and yeah I mean all in all you you've had a really good run and um it's really great to see obviously uh reading Giulio Santarelli's article uh, the other day about um you know you were quite upfront and honest about about trolls which is a, a blight on the sport um you know with social media but this is the best way to serve it up to them by, by uh, training winners. Oh, definitely. In, in, 
it was a good feeling. It, you know, I'd love to have been able to said something, you know, in the the speech there, but you know, a lot of people don't realise what actually happens, you know, behind the scenes. I've got a couple of really close friends who are sort of in the same boat at that that I am, and you know, they rang me today and we've had a good chat about things. It just needs to be brought up in the open, and I think Rawa need to do more about the situation I mean I'm not against the social media and I'm I'm quite happy to post what happened you know how my horses are going and what we're doing with the horses and mm. you know what races we're heading to and you know how I feel after the horses raced and but you know I think Rawa there should be some form of monitoring monitoring from their side where they can see what people are actually writing back to us. So if there's anything negative, they can get onto it straight away before it gets to a point where it does affect the person. I mean, I'm my hardest critic. I know that. And I've never had that much confidence or belief in myself with, you know, with what I do. I always try to put too much pressure on myself. Um, and then, you know, when you have a bad race, you know, we, we want our horses to do well. And when they don't do well, you know, I feel bad. What did I do wrong? I could have done this. I could have done that. Maybe if I did this, maybe if I do that. Or, you know, maybe I need to give up. I'm not doing it. And then when you get the trolls on there that, you know, sort of start sticking it into you, you then sort of believe, well, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And, yeah, I sort of went down that dark little rabbit hole and, went quiet and just disappeared for a little bit and tried to sort myself out and then I come back with a vengeance and it's like there you go stuff is all <laughs> yeah well we're, we're very glad you're back and uh yeah look it's you know it's such a, a humbling industry in the sense that you know you can be up one minute you can have a have a great win and, and the next minute you can be the complete opposite you know there's a lot of luck involved in winning a race you know and I think most a lot of punters maybe don't realise that you know it's um it's it's not just going out and executing your race plan, but there are nine or ten or eleven other horses in the race all trying to do the same thing, and and sometimes things aren't going to work out. So yeah, no, it's, exactly, uh, it, it's racing, isn't it? Well, it it is, and that's that's the thing. It, it is. It's it's racing, and it's like Juice. Okay, Juice just put in a great performance, and you know he won the York Cup. So next start, everyone's going to think he's going to be out there and he's going to win it. But if everyone knows juicing carrots, and, I mean, you ask Craig, Craig gets just as frustrated as what I do. And if a blue butterfly flies in front of juice in the barriers, he'll go, no, I'm not not doing it today. Or, you know, if it doesn't go his way, he's just like, no, I'm not doing it. And then he'll just, he won't put in. Yeah. So and, and that's just juice. You've got to get the right juice on the right day and hope hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. And and I guess as well, like horses, they are very uh they're, they're very intelligent. They can be flighty, but they also, you know, I guess they're quite I would say somewhat similar to humans in a way, and that they like routine, they like certain things to go their way. And I guess when things don't go their way, maybe they decide well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try my best today or you know along those lines but uh and you're 100 percent spot on with that because my horses 
are definitely set on their their routines. They know 2.30 in the afternoons, they're at the gate in the, from the paddocks waiting to come in and they've got to come in. They know they go into the tie-up stalls. They know they get their ice boots on. They get their massages and a brush and then they get to go for a walk and a pick and then they get put in their yard. You miss one part of your routine, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> They they will tell you and you know the the horse my horses at the moment and I know they sense my moods and they sense how I'm feeling and you know we're in the upheaval of moving yet again yeah um so they all know what what's happening and they're all watching everything go so you know they probably won't race for a, you know a good two three weeks until I get settled in the new place and get back into the routine again. Uh, very good. We'll wish you the best of luck with the move and uh, obviously keep us updated on any plans for uh, races for, for your crew. Um, but, yeah, it's been great to chat as always, Raquel, and really appreciate your time on the Western Mail. No worries. Just look at, look out for Eeyore Lodge. There's some exciting two new horses that are going to be attending the team, two new future stars. Ah, very so. good. Well, I'll be sure to put out a few retweets uh, when you when you're able to announce the news, and uh, yeah, well, I look forward to look forward to seeing uh, who's coming in. Uh, yep, nice, nice, two little two-year-olds, and uh, you think he always is good? These two boys are probably ten times better than him. Wow, very good. Well, very much looking forward to that, Raquel. Thanks once again, and uh, uh, congratulations to you and Jason on the big win on Sunday as well. No worries. Thank you so much. Good, Always good to talk to you. Cheers. Okay. Yes, great chat there with Raquel Reed. Really appreciate her time. Good friend of the podcast. And, uh, yeah, reminiscing on uh, Juicing Carrots' your Cup win on Sunday. Big congrats to her, to Jason, and to Juice himself. So great stuff there. So we'll move on with the preview now. It's race number seven. We're up to the Euros Hartleys Group 3 Champion Philly Stakes over the 1600. Quite a few promising types here uh, for the champion fillies. The one in particular I thought stood out for me, and that's Bazoom, who is low flying, uh, low flying horse from a low flying yard, notched up the hat trick in really good fashion last time out. This safeguard filly took out the Burgess Queen States on Cup Day, uh, swamped the field late thereafter, landing nearly the last in the run. So it was really, really impressive. And that was off the back of two wins in about four days in mid October. So I think after taking a fair while to break her maiden, I think she's start, the penny's starting to drop with her with this whole racing lark. And it does draw a lot nicer here in five after that wide draw in the Burgess Queen. So I think as a result, Chris Palmer could land midfield here. With only really, I thought, four horses likely to go forward. I think if he's able to do that, then I think this girl can be much closer to them as a result as she straightens up. And we've seen her finishing first. Uh, you know, she's got a great turn of foot. And I think... The Morton Yard can keep their hot form going here. Uh, she's around $1.90 at the time of recording, though, but so really think that's a bit on the short side. If we could get closer to $2.50 on the day, I'd be well, well uh, happy to take that. So, But, yeah, $1.90 at the moment, just a bit on the short side for Bazoo. So we'll move on to the last race of the day that I'm covering here. It's race number eight, the Euros Hartley's Group 3 Colonel Reeve Stakes over the 1100. And much like the Peter Stakes earlier on here, the Colonel Reeves looks to be one of the last chances 
for those sprinters to make a late bid for winter bottom entry in a few weeks' time. And thought it was interesting to see Elite Street engaged here. It does draw very, very wide, if not the widest. Um, but I don't want to rule him out or rule a line through him just based on that solely because obviously the horse is flying. But just going on comments from the trainer Dan Morton, uh, who's decided to run him here. So he's in a month between runs for the winter bottom. So I just thought reading between the lines a little bit, I dare say this could be more of a fitness exercise for the horse. And as a result, um, was keen to uh, not be on him here, find another another runner who I think will really relish the 1100. And that's uh, stage man here, who's really returned in great order this prep, I thought. He was a very good third first up in that list in Crawford uh, before a big second place behind Elite Street in the Group 3 Prince of Wales there. Uh, the now seven-year-old, as hard as that is to believe, he was last in the run there in that Prince of Wales before flying home to clock a 33.28 last 600, which was the quickest of the race. Uh, ended up just over one and a half lengths behind the winner. And with a huge field in play, uh, as well as our central alley that he's drawn, I mean, he will get back again. But the pace will be absolutely clamped on, I feel, uh, mainly thanks to Mervyn. But we've also got Money Matters, Icy Red, Icy Red, Red Can Man uh, and Caracapo all likely to push forward as well uh, after the start. And with them burning along up top, I think with Chris Parnham on here on stage, man, I think he'll be looking to find that three-wide train. And from there, if he's able to get clear running around the turn, uh, you know, we've seen time and time again, the finishing burst of stage man can uh, bring to the table. So gets closer to a peak here, third up, and I think surely gets the final cracker than with even luck. So uh, at the each way price around $7.50, uh, sorry, $7 and $2.50, uh, very keen to be on on an each way basis here for stage man to round out the day. So that wraps up the preview this week. Uh, big thanks for tuning in wherever you are. Don't forget, if you are enjoying the content, feel free to give us a subscribe or a follow over on Twitter at Western underscore mail or Facebook at TWM pod. That's the handle. Just type that into your search bar, it'll come straight up. Or YouTube, Western Mail Racing. So really big thanks once again. Uh, it's going to be a huge day down at Ascot. So if you're heading down, enjoy yourselves. Good punting. And until next time, bye for now. And then Wee Ripper, who's on the inside of it, might as they come around the home turn and Pike makes his move now. Raymond Flirt is racing after Juicing Carrots and they beat off Admiral Promo and then came your dreaming Mr. Dell down the outside. Juicing Carrots and Raymond Flirt in a great battle. Raymond Flirt the outside and Juicing Carrots. Raymond Flirt, Juicing Carrots. Raymond Flirt just in front. Juicing Carrots fights back and wins the cup. Juicing Carrots in a boil over has won in a photo from Raymond Flirt. Third home tip has spoken and Mr. Dell's out wider.